Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome into, I believe, the 53rd or 54th edition of the Sean Salisbury Show right here on the Believe Network. I'm Adam Sager. He's Sean Salisbury. Well, we've crowned the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions. We got what we didn't want, some controversy involving the referees at the end. Uh, We got a great game, which we asked for. I mean, that was a phenomenally played game on both sides. One mistake made the difference. We're going to get into all that. Our coaching searches are all wrapped up. We've got some interesting uh, coordinator positions that have been filled, especially one in Miami that I think will pay huge dividends. And then a superstar quarterback. I don't know if I'd call him a superstar. A very, very good quarterback has been released and is now on the open markets. We're going to talk about all that. But before we do, as always, we're brought to you by Bet Online. Yep, and basketball is here as well. It's back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You can find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. And it's your continued source for all sports wagering information like Bet Online features of live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. And always the fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like we do, whether it's the NFL or NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf, which is in full swing now. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. As always, thank you to Bet Online. All right, Frank. 38 or Frank, I'm writing my uncle's name down. Sean. It's okay. I figured. Um 38-35. Chiefs win. Last second field goal. Jalen Hurts played out of his mind, except for one play. The fumble where he just drops the ball, trying to move out of the pocket. It's a scoop and score for Nick Bolton, who, man, if Nick Bolton wasn't one of the top three players on the field in that game. He was definitely one of the top five. He was all over the place on that field. And we talked about those linebackers. He's the one that stepped up and he was everywhere on that football field for the chiefs defense. But Patrick Mahomes didn't, you know, you talked about, is he going to come out and throw for three eighty? Can they win if he doesn't do that? Well, he didn't do that. 182 yards, 21 to 27, but he did have three touchdowns and Overall, they just played a flawless game, Kansas City did, and that kept them in it, and they got the defensive touchdown, and that was the difference in in the game. Yeah, and no turnovers. Right. And Pacheco did what I thought he'd do, run like a beast. Yep. And Over five and a half yards per carry. That's exactly 70 yards. And Kelsey, what, six targets, six catches, 80 yards or whatever it was, somewhere in there. It was – Efficient, if nothing else. Right. Uh, but when you that, that's the, the perfect word for it, efficient. Right. They did. They, they did. If they weren't going to throw 40 times to win, they did exactly what they needed to do to win. Get a few extra stops, strip sack, fumble for a touchdown, not turn it over themselves. Pacheco gets involved to keep the pass rush, which the biggest statistic in the game and probably the true MVP of the game were the five guys up front. No sacks. So that all those things, they added up to win, 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 win for Kansas City. I also said last week, I said, 
that we are going to find out because I picked the Chiefs, and I know you did too, Segs. Mm-hmm. I had them by four. You had them by three, different scores. But that we would come out of this, if you didn't already know that Jalen Hurts was a superstar and a franchise quarterback, you would find that out Ooh. in this game, win or lose. He was the best player on the field. Is it, it real quick? Game. Is he going to get fifty million this offseason per year? Pretty close between yeah. between four between forty seven, forty eight, and fifty three, somewhere in that range average. Yeah. And he should. Yeah. And I, and I completely get. It. Now listen, we say that's crazy after two years, but guess what? That's a see for him. You're paying on potential, but also production. Yeah. Second full year of starting there in the Super Bowl, there in the playoffs last year, his statistics and numbers have gone up. And now they need him more than ever because you lost both coordinators. So it's going to have to, I mean, he's going to have to continue to shoulder some responsibility. The Chiefs did everything. Andy called another great game, as he always does. And the Chiefs, listen, it just goes to show you as good as defenses can be when you've got two good quarterbacks, 38 and 35 points against defenses that are really, really good. Chris Jones' name didn't come up much. Nobody on the pass rush for Philadelphia came up. It was it, honestly a couple few plays here and there and an unfortunate fumble. And we had a, a hell of a football game and a lot, a lot of good players on that field. And Pacheco came up and unfortunately, and you mentioned Bolton played like a monster on, on yeah. Sunday. It was great. If, if it wasn't for the very end of the game where Kansas city held the ball on that final drive for the last, what, five ish minutes, I mean, the time of possession, the fact that Kansas City scored 38 points in regulation with the t- amount of time they had the football was so damn impressive because they were so methodical when they did get it that they hit the big plays. They were able to, you know, get the big punt return at the end. And it was just another huge play in the game, Sage. Right. Play. E- exactly. And Sage, real you know, quick, think about what you're saying about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, to the point ahead. we got to make, if I told you the Kansas City Chiefs were going to score 38 points, win the Super Bowl against teams scored 35 and told you the longest play was scrim- from scrimmage was less than 30 yards, I think right. it was 28, and it was Patrick Mahomes' run after the sore ankle. After, yep. It was longer than Kelsey's catch. It was longer than maybe it was Smith-Schuster. I can't remember. One of the, it was the second longest play of the game, or maybe, one like a, maybe it was the Pacheco run that was third. But Kelsey, I think, had a 26-yard reception, and it was a it was Mahomes' run was the longest chunk play from scrimmage they had, and scored 38 points. That punt return was a monster turn late in the game. Monster. Yeah, just to just to say what you're talking about, Mahomes' run was 26 yards. Pacheco okay. had a 24-yard run, and and Travis Kelsey had a 22-yard catch. There it was so it was 24 it was it was 24 26 24, 26, 24 22. 22 instead Correct. of 28 26 24 yeah but yep. the which which even validates more it was a 26 yard right. two yards less on a scramble and by what a does everybody think about Mahomes deep right. like just because of all the Tyreek Hill touchdowns and and McCole Hardman and what they've done in the past but this is just a different different Chiefs team and that shows you how good Andy Reid is that shows you how good Eric Bieniemy was that shows you how good Patrick Mahomes was that shows you how good Isaiah Pacheco was and most of all like you said that shows you how dominant that front five was that offensive yeah, line Six. don't we get to a point where we're used to Kansas City being the quick strike bite like a snake and you you die a quick death right I mean you right. know that 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 snake right but they proved now in this Super Bowl they can also give you the slow methodical and they, uh, while it was an end of the game win, but 
run it here. It wasn't the, oh my gosh, speed. I mean, just constant pinball machine right. all over. This was a slower version. When I, I don't mean slower version of the team, but they proved to the world. Like we always want a finesse team to prove us they can be physical. We always want a passing team to prove us they can run winning. We always want a team that blows people out to prove you can win a low scoring game. We want the low scoring average team that just plays old school physical football. That if they get into a shootout, they can win that game. The Kansas City Chiefs proved that they can high scoring, yes, but beat you running the football, throwing it less than 30 times. If I just threw two quarterback statistics up on the board and didn't put their faces or their names next to it or their numbers, you would have said, oh, well, the Philly statistics, that's what Mahomes did throwing in the game. And right. the 27 throws would have been the Philly statistics just in the passing game. 300 plus yards. I mean, it, it, it was you would have you, you would have flip flopped. Yet Jalen Hurts, who proved that he's a monster and with his four accounted for touchdowns and yep. Mahomes won without having to have the monster plays in the game, throwing the football down the field. Impressive and efficient. Maybe their most efficient win I've seen from them considering the circumstances. Right. <clears throat> Bless All you. Right. Sorry. Let's go to the, the the elephant in the room, the one that everybody's talking about. And I don't know where you stand. I kind of have avoided your show this week just because I wanted to come on here and be able to say exactly how we felt about it without knowing where each other was coming from. I saw the play. I've watched all the angles. NFL Films, if you haven't checked it out yet, they came out with their, I think it was this morning or last night, um, talking about the play. And, Sean, I, I understand why everybody says you can't make that call in that spot in, of the game in that game with the score the way it was and everything but 99.9 percent .9 of referees in high school college in the nfl see a jersey come apart you know like this they're going to call a defensive holding i, I mean it's just that's going to happen and uh the db and i'm going to blank on his name pulling juju smith schuster's uh Jersey Bradbury. I mean, it, Bradbury. Bradbury yes it was clear as day and you know what I don't want to hear about one play you gave up the big punt return for a quick touchdown that let them back in the game you gave up two touchdowns on the basically the same exact play just on the different side of the field one was on the left side one was on the right side and there was nobody near your wide receivers like what what were your dbs doing on those two plays and then you let them back in and you, you you didn't put your foot on their throat when your offense did what they did. Your defense, who's been number one all year, couldn't stop them. Up 10 points as well, had a 10-point yep. lead. And Mahomes threw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They, they, you got there. It's never one play. It may look like one play, but it's usually, what, six to eight plays in a game. This call. Mm -hmm. That fumble, this poor punt coverage, return. that lack of sack, a punt return, and before you know it, you lose a game. Right. All right. And that's even considering Harrison Butker doinked one off the up left up. Right. That's right. And they still were able to pull it off. And I, I like I said, I think both these teams are brilliant futures. Now, Philadelphia's got a lot of free agents and got to replace two coordinators, but they're really good. So with that, I, I'll tell you where I stand is, and by the way, Philadelphia got away with one earlier because the hold on Juju Smith-Schuster on the dig route might have been worse. Yeah. So if you're saying, well, he didn't call that one, he called this one, they were both against the same team on the same cat that made the same play. Bradbury's a good player. 
And I loved the way he answered questions and was honorable and, yep. and, and honest after the game. No, no sweat there. Much, you know, thumbs up. If a wide receiver is pushing off Sags with his forearm and they're in a hand fight, or even if they're running side by side and the receiver throws a forearm a la Michael Irvin, Chris Carter, and Chris was a teammate of mine, they'll never call that on right. the offense ever. Now, if Chris or Mike or someone, when they extend their arm, even if it's a slight touch, even if you don't touch the guy for the most part, they're going to call offensive pass interference. Right. If you don't turn and find the ball and you don't touch the guy, but you run it at smash at the same time, he comes back, you hit him at the same time, but you don't learn to locate at the corner, they're going to call a foul. Right. Even though by the by our looks, like, come on, dude, they're both going for the ball. Got to find the ball. Old rule. This one. I understand in the NBA, well, they did call that foul earlier. Why would they call it late? What if the Kansas City Chiefs, when they line up offsides, we said, well, it's only a quarter of a helmet offsides. I'm not, well, why give them the five free yards? Right. Well, you know what I'm saying? So what about that? So listen, the only people in the world that are happy they made the call are Kansas City Chiefs fans. The rest of the world's, well, we wanted a game, you know, or somebody that's gambling. Now flip it. If they don't make the call, the other half of the world is saying, or the that's whole world. Penalty. Other, that's a penalty. How can you not call that in right. a biggest game like this? How, how do you miss that? You could see he clutched his jersey and pulled on it. So, yes, you can make the call, and yes, you should. It's the fact that umpires, we let it get out of hand in a strike zone. A fucking strike's a strike is a strike. If it's in the <laughs> right. strike zone, I don't care when he calls it, call it a strike. It's the same in basketball. If I go to the rim and you only hit my forearm but don't hit my elbow and forearm, is it still a foul? Yes. Yes. It may not look like it's still a friggin' foul. It stopped the play. That interrupted the play. Now, who knows if it had been complete or not, but we never got to see because he held. And holding is much different than pass interference, right? One's a spot foul. The other one, you know, you get the automatic first down as well. So it was the right call. I, I mean, it's my, regardless of who you – I didn't have a skin in – I mean, a, a, right, dog yeah. in a fight just where we picked. It was the right call. You can't do it. You extended your arm. And it, the sad thing was, is for, for him, is that everybody saw where it was. Right. It was out in the open. It's not like he was clutching and grabbing and tugging right around the inside of his jersey while they're running down the field. You extend and you everybody saw it. So it was the right call. I, I think the referees overall, Sigs, I think they did a damn good job in the game. Yeah, they, they were, got they the, were the, drop by, the, the, the drop by Devontae Smith. Yep. That was a, the, the strip sack, the, the fumble catch and fumble. I thought it was a fumble from my initial look, but I get why they didn't think he made a football right. move. It, it, yep. I get it. They got the, the Goddard the, catch. Right, on the Goddard, the one which at first I said, there's no way he caught right. it. He was bobbling the ball. They say he got the first. He the, gripped it with, with his uh, foot still right. down. I mean, I thought they right. were fine. So some of the big plays that mattered. So listen, football fans know we can bitch and complain. All we want. The reason they lost the game wasn't it just the, the time it happened in yeah. was. But if they'd have flipped it, and not called it, we'd be sitting here saying if Philadelphia wins, Kansas City Chiefs got hosed. They had a call. They should have called it, and they didn't, and they let it go. So you're not going to win either way. They called the rule by the letter of the law, and the rule was passing. I mean, holding, and that's exactly what it was. And the, the I don't want to say the biggest play of the game, but a very smart play in the game was Andy Reid not having his rookie in and having Jarek McKinnon in at the very end where he went left side off tackle and was able to get to the two and slide down, not go in and score, get down and waste those, what, 43, 44 seconds? Almost whatever, a minute, close to a minute, right. Yeah, right. to be able to knock it down to about 11 seconds when they kicked the field goal, giving Philly basically zero time once the kickoff happened. Yeah, 
Segs, there's a couple things about that too. First off, how many times have we seen people not do that? Mm-hmm. And we say, how could they be ill-prepared to do that? It obviously tells you what Andy Reid told them they prepared and knew about the situation. If they didn't, and even if they did, that's a great high football IQ play by McKinnon, which you're supposed to do. It's thinking ahead because anybody that plays in a Super Bowl not knowing when you'll be back obviously would say, I want to be able to tell everybody, say, I scored I a scored. Super Bowl and I scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl. So it was brilliant. And it took, it did because you know what? I'm convinced that if Jalen Hurts has the ball the way he played, they're going down to score too. Right. And then at that state point in time, if you're exhausted, you say, hell, we just drove down, made a great play. Let's go for two and in the friggin' football. I mean, in a Super Bowl, you say, no way, but shit. Yeah. Who, who, who can tell how Shane Steichen and, 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 uh, 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 the head coach, not, not Gannon, defense Nick Sirianni. Um, Sirianni, who's to say that they weren't saying, we've got momentum, dude, let's go finish it right well, here. And yeah, or who's gone you go to overtime most, on right. fourth down and, and throughout the year. It's been the Eagles. Right. So, yeah, I think they would have gone and, for it. And if they get overtime, who's to say you even you, – you, you, that they don't score, you miss out, and you end the game? You never know. So, right. smart play by Kansas City Limit. You just take the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands. And say, you mentioned those two touchdowns that were wide open. It was a new level of brilliance by Andy Reid's play calling. Take the one on the right, for example. Normally, when we send a guy in motion, in short motion, where they call it zip or zap, depending, zap mm-hmm. is return for us. Zip is short motion. Zoom, you zoom across the formation. Well, normally in short motion, when you cross another receiver that's stationary to go inside, you're either going to stop there and run that shallow cross, right? Come off a stack, yep. whatever it is, or something, push up the field. But you're going deeper inside. And then a lot of times, if you're going to return motion, you go to at least the tackle or the guard. Or sometimes, if it's a bunch set, you run to the quarterback and reverse out. You right. want to think you're crossing formation, put your foot in the ground at the three-yard line and run a quick flat route or get off so there's a pick involved, right? You know what they did there, Sags? And they knew by study and tape. If you watch, I'll show you. If this is the outside guy and this is the inside guy, what they did is the motion came in and went back out. He started down. He passed. We call it passing it off. Yeah. Instead of you chase him, I'll pass it off to you, and you bump and go chase him, and I'll take the guy you were over. So they bumped it and passed it off, and while they were in the middle of doing it, instead of going all the way for them to get adjusted, right behind the receiver, he put his foot in the ground and ran back out to the flat. We normally carry that farther. So what happened is both were going one way, foot in the ground, return motion, and it was done. And they're like, oh, my, you couldn't do anything about it. Normally, there's a chance to adjust the pass off. How do you come back and gone in further and come back? You know what they'd have done? They'd have repassed it back. He'd have yep. kicked it back to him. He'd have played outside leverage, and boom, there you go. Different different uh, style of play and a different possible different result on how you get it to him. But brilliant play call because they saw, hey, they're going to bump this, and in the middle of the bump, put your foot in the ground and return while their momentum and get to the flat, and there was nobody out there. Brilliant play calling by Andrew. And that was against Darius Slay, one of the best corners in the game that was on the outside that you said passed it off to the inside guys. <laughs> Begs, that's why you spend your whole year and you take these two weeks. You know, people run their base stuff, right? Other mm-hmm. than a few changes, you're not going to shit can your whole season, but you've been successful because you got Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. You're going to make adjustments. That is the perfect case of a Andy Reid brilliance of saying, you know what? Here's how we're going to beat that. We know how they're going to play us. They're not going to chase. They're going to pass it off mm-hmm. in the middle of the pass off. And their baton, you, you bump it. Don't go all the way in. Put your foot in the ground sooner. And return, and now we got a chance to get there. And you saw there wasn't anybody in the picture screen when they threw that ball to the flat. All right. Wide open. Either one. Brilliant design. Brilliant. Yeah. Great study during the week. 
All right, so you've mentioned it a couple times. Now let's talk about it. The Eagles lose both coordinators. Jonathan Gannon goes to Arizona to join Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, and uh, Shane Steichen goes to Indy to join a new quarterback and company relieving Jeff Saturday from his interim coaching job. Let's start with the Eagles. If you're the Eagles, you have this team. You mentioned they have a lot of free agents. They need to figure this thing out. They need to figure out the quarterback contract um, with Jalen Hurts. What do you do now if you're the Eagles with your two Super Bowl quarter coordinators leaving? Well, Sags, I got to go find one, another thing. Similar, although he's a pressure guy, has Jim Leonard not been hired yet from Wisconsin? Have I not seen I him hired so. yet? Let's look it up. I don't um, know. I, I don't haven't know seen why. it. Look, I, just like I've been begging for Todd Munkin to get a – I said somebody ought to steal Munkin yeah. from Georgia. Yeah, what we talked about Baltimore that. Do? They went and stole Todd Munkin, and you know what? This is a is, – if you're going to lose a good coordinator like Greg Roman, what he did to, to build stuff for Lamar Jackson, you couldn't have got a – if you're Lamar Jackson, it also tells me they're going all in on Lamar. You couldn't have got a better guy for what you want to do than Todd Munkin coming to Baltimore. I'm just telling you, it's a brilliant move. So in this case, it's the same thing. I, I don't know why in a different thing. I, I've just been a big Jim Leonard fan, and if he hasn't been hired yet, I, I don't know why. Maybe he wants to stay in college or not, or, or what have you, but he's just a pressure guy. We know that Rex Ryan's being interviewed, what, in, in uh, Denver, correct? Is it Denver? Yeah, yeah to go with yeah. Sean Payton. But with Philadelphia, on the offensive side of the ball, Sags, I know you mentioned the defensive side. I don't know where they're going to go with the defensive side of the ball. I don't know in-house if they trust the next guy that's on staff to be promoted to be the defensive coordinator. That's what you got to ask yourself. Or do you go out there and, you know, you take a guy and make him the assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, where you pluck him from another team. There are some good ones available. I'm a huge Jim Leonard fan. I don't know where they sit. And as far as defensive coordinators go, there'll be guys available. Uh, It just depends on, and you know how this is a lot of time. What's the relationship has, Sirianni had a relationship with a guy somewhere where he's been in the past that says, let's give him a look. He's a linebacker coach here. Let's promote him and we'll take him. Maybe. So the defensive coordinator thing is a little more, it's a little different in Philadelphia because we don't ever hear of who's the backup just in case Gannon goes, who are they hiring inside? I don't know. I know their staff, but I don't know who they'd take inside. Right. I do know with the offensive coordinator that Brian Johnson is next in line. Yeah. And he's been yeah. friggin' good and people have inquired about him to be their defensive coordinator. I mean, to be their offensive coordinator uh, this offseason and have felt really good about him. He's been great for Jalen Hurts. He's been in the league a minute as a coach and their relationship. It's grown. I think it's just natural if, in fact, Sirianni and I would imagine he believes that if not, he could call the plays, I guess, Sirianni. But if you say Brian Johnson's done his time, he's ready to go, you would just promote him. Make him the offensive coordinator, and you, you go right on in with the same verbiage and everything you want to do. So to me, the offensive coordinator's on staff. And if you do, if you want him to be the coordinator, but Sirianni says, I want the play calling back from from uh, you know from Shane Steich, and I'm going to take it over until I feel come, maybe. Or maybe he says, Brian, you ready for this? Yep, let's go, dude, because you've been great with our quarterback. That seems natural to me. It's the defensive coordinator where I'm curious to where they're going to go look. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh... – who that defensive coach is. Like you said, Brian Johnson just makes the most sense. Um, and the the thing we don't know, you mentioned, 
a lot of these younger coaches, we don't know where they, we know where they came from, but we don't know who they've connected with in terms of a lot of it's younger coaches. They were on staff as GAs with somewhere else at a college or they were over there cutting tape and they were doing And the next thing, you know, Robert saw that group, you know, there's that same, you know, that offensive group we always talk about that 28 to 42 group, right? Maybe there, there may, maybe there's somebody or the key is us not being in the meeting rooms and seeing from it is we can hear all the chatter we want. I'm, I'm on the, since we're not on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, you got it. That's a precious position, especially for a team that led the league with almost 80 sacks this year, 70 plus that the guy who takes over, you'd kind of like the verbiage to be the same and him to think like Jonathan Gannon for a simple reason. Now here's the other thing, Sigs. What if all of a sudden Gannon says, I want to pluck one of you guys assistants. I want you to be my defensive coordinator and I'll make you the assistant head coach. Or what if he goes after Jonathan Gannon? Now, if you're the, the, the Eagles, you got to step right in and say, well, we want this guy. Yeah. What are you going to do to promote him and change his salary or and his title? So it, it's a crazy situation, but look how quickly you can like, uh-oh. But even though that with all those free agents and with two of your coordinators gone, it's a compliment, but in the it's a compliment in a great way because you were obviously really successful. It's It, it sucks ass if you're the Eagles because you're saying those two dudes who were calling plays and the 20 dudes that are free agents were a big part of our team moving on. Right. Uh, to next year and keeping this thing rolling. So I'm anxious. They got their their work cut out for them in that front office and the coaching staff to find out where they're going next. And they're going to have competitors because both coaches that are head coaches, uh, we all want familiarity, Sags. I don't right. even just say our buddy familiar. So the Verge, hell, they could deplete the staff if they're not careful right. in Philadelphia. So you get now, if you're one of, if you're Brian Johnson, you're probably saying, well, I'm going to get three goes of it. Gannon, if he loves me, I can go there. Who's going to pay me the most and who's going to give me the biggest promotion if Shane wants to, I mean, if Sirianni wants to keep me here? What a good problem to have if you're an assistant on that staff and you had a great relationship working with those two coordinators. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. How about Shane Steichen going to Indy? Now, I know we're going to have months to talk about the draft, but we talked about last week. Indy is one of those teams that could look to move from four to one to get the quarterback of their choice at the top with a trade with the Bears. If you're just kind of looking at what Steichen's done this year, and I know Sirianni's an offensive guy, and so you don't know kind of what exactly Steichen's mode is because it could be a little different than Nick Sirianni. But do any of these four, these three top quarterbacks in this draft stick out and say, he's a Bryce Young guy? No, he's a C.J. Stroud guy. No, he wants the big physical, you know, a uh, guy that can move a little bit and will Levis do any of those guys stand out and say Shane Steichen that makes sense Segs, they all have here's a great thing they all have something that if you could put it all together Steichen would love the group right oh think yeah about this, sure. you think about this and I know everybody said but I'm talking about with the way they do things and what he's used to coaching this last couple of years you got the 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 one who seems most likely is is Bryce Young yeah he's great with feet he's run the RPO system at Alabama and run it to damn near perfection in mm-hmm. time, right? I mean, he is really good in the inside zone, but the difference is while he's a runner, he's not as physical on the edge and interior as Bryce Young would be. And you're talking about a guy who's, you know, six one or so, six one and a half and about two twenty-five. Right. As opposed to a guy who's six foot one ninety-five, it'll probably be 200, 205 pounds or so when the season starts, somewhere in there. You got to ask. So he'd love that aspect of the urgency and the ability to read what they're. To, we don't have to teach RPO to Bryce Young. Verbage, right. yes, but not the RPO. But he does. He's not the big frame. Now, if you had Bryce Young's ability with his legs and with his with his production, you say, "Well, give me Levis." 
this is a six three. He's more in the lower half when it comes to right. thickness. He's more like like uh, Jalen Hurts. Now, if you want the pure, just straight, probably the best system pocket passer and the smoothest of the group, I mean, Levis has got potential through the roof. But we saw some scrambling ability from Stroud in the in the game they got beat by Georgia. But that's not natural for him. He's not a natural right. edge guy, Sigs. He's a, okay, and he showed us something. But if you want the guy from the system, you're just going to drop back a New England Patriots Tom Brady throw. That'd be your guy, right? Because he's pretty accurate. He's put up production numbers. There's still a long way to go with potential, and he's a tall, big body. So the truth is there's some. For me, I don't know why anybody wouldn't like Bryce Young at the top, period, anyhow. I, I just don't. Other than the fact that you think he's too slight for you right. at 195 pounds and six foot, but uh, they do. And Levis is going to, like we've said, people are going to be, oh, my gosh, look how big he is. And the sneaky one's 6'4", 235 pounds, and that's Anthony Richardson. But that's too far to go from mm-hmm. where he's ranked to jump up to number one or two in this draft. Yeah, and it, it just seems like he's a guy that's going to need a year. Right. To, uh, the upside is the there. The guy who they draft need... is starting next year. So yes, the guy they draft it, is starting. No exactly. Doubt. Like I could see a team, let's just say the Panthers, don't move from nine. They stay at nine. They Go get Jimmy Garoppolo for a year and bring in and still draft Anthony Richardson at nine and say, you're going to sit a year behind and Jimmy G's just going to have to deal with it. But say, that, say that's this. something I could see. Say, what if the Texans say, well, we're a ways away and we love Will. Let's say Will Anderson was off the charts, their favorite guy on the mm-hmm. planet. Or you want to, you know, hear Jalen Carr and you said it too. Since the Colts jumped us and got Bryce Young, you go ahead. We're not drafted to. We're going to try to trade down. We'll take Will Anderson. And at 12, We'll try to we'll we'll, we'll take Richardson then because we think that he's got some great upside, but we're okay now. And then you can go shop the Jimmy Garoppolo or the veteran, or if you think Mills can hold you over and you're not going to win a ton of games, but keeps you in that top five or six picks next year. Right, not a bad place to be in again. So there's that option. But he's clearly the fourth one unless one team falls in love with him. Yeah. But to me, I I don't know. I've seen enough production for Bryce Young to know that. That he seems to look like a like like what Philly was trying to do, meaning now what I would imagine the Colts is going to try to do as well. Yeah, that makes especially a lot with John sense. and Jonathan Taylor in the run game. Segs, you got the chance to do both now. It's going to be interesting saga how that goes. Yeah, and then looking at the other coordinator that leaves Philly, that's Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. He's got the toughest job because, I mean, Kyler Murray coming off the injury, we don't know exactly how it's all going to work, how long he's out. We'll have to see how he progresses with this injury, but he's got to find a coach that can unlock Kyler back to remember those first couple games a few years back where he was the clear MVP. He's kind of just out there having fun doing his thing. And then since then, it's just been a lot of of, preparation caught up to him. A lot of chatter about his preparation, some injuries, some, how much does he love football to, should he go back and play baseball? I mean, all this stuff started after those first six, seven games, whatever it was that one year. Uh, Are there any kind of coaches that stand out to you or a a type of system that makes sense for Kyler Murray? Well, you really want the truth, Sags. It's probably Greg Roman. I don't know if Greg uh, Roman's been hired. So, I mean, if you're if you're thinking along those lines, just on he changed a complete offense from Flacco to Lamar. Mm-hmm. If you want to take the next level to enhance Kyler Murray's skill set, wouldn't that be the wise thing to do? I mean, instead of going to I mean, listen, if you're going to look for a guy who's like, for instance, if it was Norv Turner, let's just say Norv, for instance, right? 
Norv right. wants you to drop back, put your foot in the ground, go through your reads, get it out on time, drop back. I could go through the list of guys from myself in college all the way through Troy Aikman in the pros, guys that fit that mold, right? Where that's what Norv wants and boom and, and loves to run the football. More of like a CJ Stroud type guy. Right. With with that's exactly right with the back. So for that, I'm thinking, okay, available. And I've mulled this over. I said, okay, available. Now it will solve the problem, Segs. If all of a sudden he says, Brian Johnson, you're my assistant head coach. You're calling the plays as my offensive coordinator. Come to Arizona with me. Let's go fix Kyler like you like we've done with like you did with Shane and stuff in, in Philly um, that that says you can't live with him dropping three, five, seven and a hitch from that area. It's right. got to be get him on the move, do things, change his launch point, but still throw from the pocket. But you've got to create spacing for him and make it simple, because I, I don't know if we're going to listen. Kyler Murray has been a winner his whole career until he got to this point these last year and a half. Right. So I think you you want to make it quarterback friendly. That doesn't. I'm not talking about player empowerment, but whatever's going to. You're, you're under contract. He's got a lot of money, so you better cater it to the point of what gives us the best chance of success. Maybe you scale down. You get some inside outside zone and let him, because he can throw it now. We know he can rip it, and he's got great feet. Yep. And he and and hopefully that the guys you hire can get him back in studying and realize in order to sustain a long career, you have to do that. But I'm thinking a guy like Greg Roman or somebody along those lines who understands this or snatching somebody from Philly if you believe that's what uh, that that's the best thing to do. So and if you're the Giants, you're grateful on the other side that both Wink Martindale, who was up for the Colts job and Mike Kafka up for the Arizona job are both coming back. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because I saw that Greg Roman was going to interview along with Eric B for the Washington offensive coordinator job. Um, they're a team that I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I don't know if if Sam Howell's their guy moving forward, and they're just going to go young, or they're a don't team they got to jump a, in with Derek Carr? Don't they got to think, think about so, Derek Carr right? or, yeah, or, or try to. to trade for Garoppolo? Yeah, I left two teams, and I'm telling you, I think Tennessee's a sneaky one for Derek Carr as well. I do. Uh, yes, like uh, to me, it should well. it should be because Tannehill may be gone himself. New Orleans, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah New Orleans. Orleans that was my Washington, first one. and and Tennessee should be. All or, unless Tennessee's just got this bug up their ass that they say, screw the Colts, screw the Texans, we're going to one. We'll give up a shitload of picks to Chicago right. to say this offsets your drop 10 spots to 11. We'll give you first round picks for the next few years. We want our guy. We don't, you know, Malik Willis is not the guy that we thought yep. he was going to be. And we're going to move on and we're going to go get Bryce Young or CJ yep. Stroud or whoever they want. Um, that's an interesting thing. And then real quick before we end this show on Friday, we'll talk more about Todd Munkin in Baltimore, what he can do with Lamar, assuming Lamar's there. That's another situation. I think we got to talk about what is There's the another Ravens 50 million waiting to happen or a franchise. Right. Yep. No doubt. Yep. So that's going to be an interesting topic this off season, but the dolphins bringing in Vic Fangio to be uh, Mike McDaniel's defensive coordinator. I think that's, the assistant coach hire that could pay huge dividends next year in the NF or in the AFC East. Sags, aside from a player like, for instance, if Lamar were to leave, if they yeah. let him go, there will be that 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 would be the biggest player move this offseason. And let, or mm-hmm. Rogers, if they move yeah. him. Fair yeah. enough. One of those two. Aside from that, I'm going to tell you the two biggest moves in the NFL this year, this offseason, you're going to point to Baltimore and Munkin. I, I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just telling you you are. It just fits. Yeah, of course, it's perfect. And you're going to say that the best defensive side hire, one of, and he may end up being the best overall hire, is getting is is getting Vic to Miami, 
And there's a reason why like six teams wanted to stand in line. Yeah. For him. While he may not be a head coach since, since I left the league and have known Vic when he was in the league, when I was in the league, everybody has covered and it's just bigger and bigger because everywhere he goes, they win defensively. And it is a great hire by Mike. It's a, he's a smart guy. I think Vic Fangio is going to make a world of difference with the Miami Dolphins. They've got players. Now they just need somebody that they feel is great right. doing what they want to do. I would think that that's going to be a really healthy situation for the Miami Dolphins. And and he's a guy that takes players that are good and makes them very good or players that are very good and makes them great. And he goes back, he gets Bradley Chubb, who he knows from Denver, you know, and that's going to be his main pass rusher that gets after the quarterback. But they have a lot of talent, especially in that front that I think the big question is going to be Tua. Can he, you know, what's the concussion stuff all about? How does he play? Does he get more comfortable in this offense and he's able to stay healthy and those wide receivers continue to go nuts and the run game kind of picks up because the O-line gets better. And, I mean, the Dolphins are a dangerous team depending on the quarterback. And their defense will be better. I don't even care where they rank statistically last year. It's going to be better this year. And now you're going to get a full season with Chubb, who knows what Vic Fangio is all about. I think it's a brilliant hire. I hold him in tremendously high regard as a D coordinator, and I know a lot of other people do too. The league does. Football yes. does. He's one of the elite guys on the defensive side of the ball in this league. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Sean Salisbury Show here on the Believe Network. Like I said, we got a ton to talk about. Rodgers is going to start his retreat on Friday, uh, four days in complete darkness for 24 hours a day. Good luck. Another to thing Aaron. to talk about, Segs, is also – Brian Flores saying he turned down the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job yeah. to go and be the coordinator in Minnesota on a gut feeling. Yeah. Interesting. That it's it that's odd. And will Eric be enemy if they watch it and offers him a job? Will he get out from under the Andy Reed umbrella, go carve it himself? He's been to 17 interviews, Segs, 16 with different teams as a head coach. Right. Hasn't got one of them. So would you leave Andy and Pat Mahomes to go be the coordinator there to fix that yourself? Got a lot to talk about on Friday. Yeah, a lot to talk about. And Derek Carr, where does he end up? We got yep. and Aaron Rodgers, where it makes sense for him. We got a ton to talk about is the offseason is just getting started in the NFL. All right, thanks to Bet Online. Thanks to Believe. We will talk to you guys later this week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.